1: what's up? Welcome in. Wes Mitchell here, GC Live. Hope everybody had a great Christmas, a great holiday all the way around, and hope that you're all ready for some Gamecock football. Duke's Mayo Bowl right around the corner. Again, I'm Wes. Chris Clark joining me momentarily. Uh, Maybe dealing with a little bit of technical difficulties on Chris's end. Uh, From what I understand, he is working on that right now. Uh, So we'll be joined by Chris uh, here momentarily again I uh, hope y'all had a great one hope y'all are ready for the game and uh there he is Chris we got you man you good to go I
0: think so man you tell me
1: <laughs> yeah I, I hear you <laughs> I see you loud and clear uh we did not plan the uh the bluff road look, at that. Uh, look shirt, at that but i guess we've been working together for too long man um yeah so game game time is here we figured you guys that we it was time for us to check in on you we've taken too many days off from GC live so it was time to to check in and, and chat with you a little bit before the game and, and get you ready for this game. But first, we got to tell you about our buddy Clint Hammond. Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, of course, our presenting sponsor each and every episode of the show. There you see Clint's picture right there 803 576 4450. The NMLS number is 71597. And Clint's email address is cHammond at mortgage network.com. That's the letter C, Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com if you're in the market for a new home or perhaps you just want to see what's out there, what options you may have in order to uh, maybe refinance and save yourself a little bit of money. Clint is your guy. Uh, Chris, it's been a while, man. I guess maybe since the the Rattler news, I guess, might have actually been our last show. And then we had, of course, the, the special on National Signing Day. I don't know if we've done one since, to be honest with you. So I um, hope you're good, man. hope everybody else out there is good. And we're going to be on an abbreviated game week GC content schedule this week because uh, the game is strangely not only at 11.30 a.m., which is a weird kickoff time, but it is on a Thursday. So uh, we we had to hop on because this thing is right around the corner, man.
0: It is, man. Uh, You know, the team has, you know, kind of structured their game week as, you know, having – Today, a Tuesday, be a Thursday, you know, or whatever, leading up to game week because of the the odd schedule, which is kind of kind of different, different than we're accustomed to it. Wes, we used to do a lot of, uh, shoot, it seems like for a while there, there are a lot of Thursday games to open the season under Steve Spurrier. Haven't, haven't had one of those in a while, so a little different. Um, the team up there in Charlotte, Colin Taylor, Kendall, doing a great job uh, covering the Dukes-Mayo Bowl lead up housekeeping item because I had someone ask on the Insiders Forum, where's the coverage of what's going on at practice today or the the uh, media coverage. They did practice today. No media availability today. No practice viewing window for the media. There will be one tomorrow on Wednesday if I'm right, Wes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think mm-hmm. it's changed a few times, but the updated kind of media window tomorrow closed practice, but there will be a media day from 10 a.m to 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. Shane Beamer and several players are expected to speak at that in advance of the game the following day on Thursday.
1: Yeah, so there's, there's really nothing new today um, as far as an official um, media setting or anything of the like. See a couple people in the chat. I had somebody ask me on Twitter as well, uh, what's the status of the game? Right, right now, uh, what, 2.06 p.m. Tuesday afternoon. It, it's still a go, you know, I... I don't think I'm as optimistic as anybody, Chris. I don't think it's accurate to sit here and say, hey, the game is 100% going to happen because, you know, both from what I understand on the North Carolina side, they've dealt with some COVID issues uh, throughout their athletic department. Um, South Carolina has obviously dealt with their own COVID issues. Th- these games, as we've seen, a- until until you're at the stadium on Thursday and you watch the teams run out there, um, I feel like at that point, pretty safe bet they're gonna they're gonna play some football. But really, if you if you want a, a solid answer, nobody here is really gonna be able to give you that because it's it's gonna you know. So t- testing for unvaccinated players is today. Now, obviously, there's gonna be a little bit of a turnaround time on that. We'll see what happens as far as the actual who's available, who's not. Are there some asymptomatic guys that that get popped this week and all of a sudden are told, hey, you you can't play in the game, you get sent home. Uh, Of course, that is possible. Will North Carolina have the same possibility? Of course. So you're already talking about a team that, much like a lot of teams out there, Chris, you've lost guys to the portal. You've lost early entries to the NFL draft with, of course, J.J. Inabare, Zaquandre White. You've got other guys that have been out for for like the majority of the season. And um, then, of course, you have guys that uh, may, may be banged up that we're not even aware of right now that get banged up in practice. So I think you look, there's a multitude of different, I guess, just things that are affecting your available roster for this game.
0: We are, I think, when I say we, just the collective of college football fans, media people, players, coaches, everybody involved with it, athletic departments as a whole, you know, very fortunate that we were all able to get through what ended up being, man, a very regular college football season, right? But bowl time hit and boom, here we go again. So it feels kind of like. The, the bowl season feels kind of like last year. There's going to be guys missing off of almost every team. It feels like kind of a that weird regular season vibe last year, you know, where you're going to have guys missing. And some of them may be last minute. You know, they're, they're, there are some individuals that are going to be out that are associated with the program you know, on Thursday, and there may be more to come. And we probably are not going to know some of that until Thursday, you know, when when they run out of the tunnel. Hopefully everybody does run out of the tunnels or whatever they happen to, a mayonnaise jar, whatever happened. they happen to run out of on Thursday so we can play this thing. But it's almost west into the territory where I, I don't know how much stock you're going to end up, you know, how much are you going to be able to put into this game It's one that everybody wants to win. It's a huge positive for this South Carolina team that they can play this game. You know, you get bowl eligible, which was a huge goal in year one of Shane Beamer. You get the extra practice. You get some young player development in there with those practices, and you get that game experience. You get to go play North Carolina, a team that, if you could beat them, would be a really, really nice win. But that said, now we're back into this era where we feel like it's 2020 all over again. We've already seen multiple bowl cancellations. We've seen teams be affected across college football with not only opt-outs, but more specifically COVID stuff. South Carolina is not going to be immune to that. So to what level, you know, we don't know yet, but it's clear that it's going to play a role, potentially a, a significant one.
1: Yeah, so so we'll see, man. Um, I, I think, you know, you, you look at this game, South Carolina clearly is the the underdog on paper. And then when you sort of look, I think, I think they were the underdog regardless. Then when you look at how things have played out with some guys are going to be missing for South Carolina, as far as going on to the NFL, you look at the fact that, uh, you know, North Carolina on their end, that they have a quarterback who decided in in Sam Howell to not sit out the bowl game and decided to to go ahead and play in the game. Uh, To me, that's that's a difference maker for them like I, I know they have had their struggles this year I know that their their defense you know especially has had some really big struggles to me if if South Carolina were to go into this game and you know they, they had Z white I I'd, I'd be sitting here saying feed Z white like this is a this is a game that 11 is gonna tote the football and obviously he's out of this game but still I I think you look at the running game you look at Kevin Harris um you know, some of those guys, South Carolina's offense, we all know, we've, we've talked about it all year long, ha- has had its share of struggles. Um, you know, Zeb's going to be the guy at quarterback. Do you see maybe more, uh, you know, to carry on Joyner this week? I think that's very, very possible. But to me, I think uh, it's kind of one of these games where when, when the other team has a quarterback that North Carolina does, that gives them a very decided advantage, in my opinion. So you go in, sort of saying, yes, North Carolina's defense has struggled, but can Carolina's offense do enough to to put up points to to go even, give themselves a chance in this game? Because I don't think it's going to be like a ten to seven, you know, seventeen to fourteen even game. I, I think UNC's offense has showed this year they can go score points.
0: Yeah, they they can score points and they can give up a lot of points, right? But here we go. I, like, remember how I just said? I feel like this this bowl season has taken us back to 2020. I feel like this this bowl game is an extension of what we talked about every week for South Carolina during the year, which is yeah this, yeah this. But what it ultimately comes down to is. Can South Carolina score enough points to win a game? And that was the talking point that we went through each week. And a lot of times the answer to that we thought was no. And sometimes it ended up being the case in some of these games. Sometimes they proved us wrong. Florida, they obviously had an explosion of points. Auburn, they were able to score just enough. But a lot of times they were unable to keep pace. Sometimes they simultaneously had a bad matchup on the other side of the football, the other team's offense versus South Carolina's defense. Which put them in a hole that they weren't able to overcome. This is not an explosive South Carolina offense, as we know. Um, They're going to be down, again, some of their key guys. They're not going to have Jason Brown, who started towards the end of the year. They're not going to have Saquandre White, like you said, Wes. On the other side, you're missing, you're going to be at least missing your best pass rusher and JJ Inibare, who was another opt out. And you have, and that's the key. I think you hit on the point, the key point, Sam Howell. You know, he's a veteran guy. He's got some targets to throw to. They have a pretty experienced offensive line. They have Ty Chandler at running back, who's a really good player. But Sam Howell can run it. He can throw it. Gamecock fans are already familiar with him. And they can put up points. So, yeah, they'll they can. They'll surrender some points. Can South Carolina take advantage of that? I think that's going to be the key. And I think based on what we've seen this year, you know, you're not as optimistic, you know, about that. And you're not as optimistic about them being able to effectively enough, slow down Sam Howell in the UNC offense.
1: There, If we take a sort of little bit more outside approach, not just looking at it from a South Carolina perspective, um, there is some symmetry there to the fact that Sam Howell's first ever start, first ever college game was against South Carolina, was at Bank of America Stadium, and now he will finish off his career in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium, against the Gamecocks as well. So there, there's some symmetry there in that. Of course, it's almost reversed, Chris, when South Carolina going into that game, it was it was actually Mac Brown's first game at North Carolina. Um, the the Much Champ era was still, you know, ro- I don't want to say it was rolling along, but to me that was the game that really – started the decline, the complete decline of the must Champ era at South Carolina. But the Gamecocks, I remember the talk all offseason going into that game. South Carolina went into that game as the favorite. And you were looking, here's a North Carolina team under completely new coaching staff, freshman quarterback, um, South Carolina pretty established with a veteran quarterback. And, of course, we all know what happened. We all know how it played out. So, it, it's, it's just a... Quite, both programs are in quite a different place right now than they were. It's it really truly for it to be a few years ago. It feels like it was ten years ago to me when you look at everything that has happened since that game. Um, you know, I, I think even you know you go back to the recruitment of Sam Howell. This is a guy South Carolina was was fairly involved with at one point. I remember Chris, you and I went up there and interviewed him in person. And it was right after um it was right after the Roper news had hit right. and right that Roper um was out and you know South Carolina had offered early and then never really it seemed like did a ton with him moving forward. And of course that was a the class. They they took Ryan Helensky, which looked at the time to be a great decision, you know, national guy. Um, you know, Sam Howell ha- has obviously worked out for the better. Ryan Helensky that has not. So that uh, I think you you go through this roster and on both sides there's some interesting ties between the two programs. Uh, interesting ties between you know Frank Beamer and Mac Brown being really really good friends over the years. So there's a connection between Mac and the Beamer family. Um, you can go through that North Carolina roster, find some South Carolina guys. Storm Duck, um, I believe, is on that roster, right? As a starter, I think. Yep. It's it's an interesting matchup all the way around, even if it loses a little bit of its luster, considering that there's going to be guys that are probably going to be missing on both sides.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, You know, Miles Murphy obviously is is a guy that um, Gamecock fans will remember from the recruiting process in 2020, and um, there are several guys on that roster that in which there was some recruiting carryover between North Carolina and South Carolina, particularly in that you know 2020 class. That was one of those battleground classes. And it was right on the heels of that 2019 game that you mentioned, Wes. And that was an opportunity back then for South Carolina to make that statement, to try to maybe slam the door a little bit on North Carolina's resurgence, recruiting their own state instead. It went the other direction, right? So um, it's still an interesting game, still a really interesting game, still some full circle elements, still a lot of connections. But I think it's been a little bit, like you said, tarnished it in the right word, but the, the maybe level of excitement has been toned down a bit because of North Carolina's record this year. They have taken a step backward, of course, defensively. Um, that's certainly one of the aspects. And then, you know, the potential to have missing players, at least on South Carolina's end, maybe on North Carolina's end too.
1: Yeah, and again, we don't know specifics about, about any of that stuff yet, but we certainly will uh, let you know if anything comes out between now and the game. Also, working on a North Carolina guest, uh, possibly for tomorrow, as we will try to knock out one final podcast at some point before the game on Thursday. Um, also, wanted to go ahead and announce if you're going to be at the game, come on by the doghouse. Um, we've got a special, I would say it's basically going to serve as the Gamecock Central headquarters before the game. Uh, won't be like a traditional tailgate, but. This is, uh, especially if you came out to some of the Gamecock Central tailgates this year, or if you just want to meet up with some Gamecock fans, meet up with some, some fellow uh, Gamecock Central readers and subscribers, uh, the doghouse is at 401, we- 401 West Moorhead Street, right outside of Bank of America Stadium. It will open up at 9 a.m. on Thursday. So it's uh, going to be an informal deal, but there will be a special area for Gamecock Central readers, some drink specials, food truck. Um really, really a, a good time, I believe, uh, available for all. So I'll, I'll be there probably nine o'clock. You can actually go after the game if you want as well. I I probably I don't know that I'll be there after the game, but still they are going to acknowledge those uh those specials for GameCock Central subscribers after the game as well. So should uh should be a really good time. There's there's been some questions about the transfer transfer portal, Chris. Um and uh I think that's something on the top of everyone's minds. So you want to talk, you want to talk a little bit about our expectations for that moving forward, because I think we we've set the expectations for people who have been paying attention that Carolina is going to be very active is the best way to say it in the portal. Now, a lot of people have wanted names and there are, there are several names we've been able to go ahead and put out there. Now, we also have to consider there's a lot of guys who are going to be in this transfer portal that just aren't there yet. So mm-hmm. it's it's a fluid situation. It's not static where you just say, you know, hey, here are the guys that are available. It's not even it is free agency, but you know, in the NFL, it's kind of like, all right, this guy's contract's gonna be up. They're gonna be a free agent. So here are the guys I want my team to go look at. In this case, a guy can go in early, like Rattler did. A guy can go in at the end of bowl season. They could go in at the after spring practice. So yeah. it, it is a fluid situation all the way around.
0: And another part of that fluidity, I think, Wes, is the fact that yeah, South Carolina has positional wants. You could say needs too, right? But wants needs, however you want to classify it, out of the portal. Which, pri- you know, to to bring that point home, the the bulk we expect of South Carolina's remaining 2022 class is going to be from the portal. Could there be a high school guy or two, Heck, maybe more pop up late. Yeah. But the vast majority of the activity in terms of what we expect has been out of the portal. There've been some guys are involved with, there will be, like you said, other guys in the future uh, as they continue to pour through that, as they continue to see who, who jumps in. Um, but I mean, it, there are certain wants that they have or needs, but it's also going to depend on who jumps in. You know, you could say, well, for instance, I mean, just to use an example, let's sign a really good edge rusher. Well, is there one in the portal? Uh, Does one jump in the portal late that you've got to take a swing at? Um, If that guy is in and you target him, who else wants him? Because then it becomes a recruiting battle based on some specific parameters. You know, portal recruiting is different in a lot of ways than high school recruiting. So, um, it does rely on a lot of factors there, and, and some of that is, like you said, very fluid. So, but we do know that they have some guys that they've targeted so far. Obviously, a big one, you know, in terms of positionally, that we know from a number standpoint and need standpoint is going to be wide receiver, and that's where we've seen, I think, over the last you know couple weeks, even and even in recent days we've seen the most linkage and the most actual names in that regard, but there's going to be other spots and there's going to be other, other names. I think even at receiver that pop up.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I I think maybe this is the most, or this is the least kind of guys that are left as far as high school prospects go that I think we've ever seen in the, like basically ever since the early signing period became a thing there would always be guys that you would still already be looking at that were sort of already known prospects that you'd be saying, all right, you know, it's, it's over with this guy, over with this guy, but Hey, here's a handful of other guys who are waiting to sign that South Carolina is still heavily involved in or, or involved with. Well, you know, we anticipated James Pierce possibly being one of those guys, pass rusher out of Charlotte, boom, goes ahead and signs with Tennessee. Um, R. Mason Thomas, South Carolina has stayed in it there. They were an early factor with him. But, you know, Oklahoma is, is heavily involved there now. A bunch of other schools trying to get heavily involved there now. I don't even you know, know necessarily if South Carolina is, is one of the top players with, with him anymore. So it, it's sort of the, the portal obviously has become big in its own right. But I think for South Carolina right now, is it possible some guys are going to pop up in the high school ranks? Of course, but there aren't really any, like, main guys. I think you'd already just circle and say, um, hey, here's who we're looking at um, as far as South Carolina's final high school targets. Tanner Bailey, of course, has already signed. So, um, you know, that that's not really a guy that, that falls into that category as well. He, he barely got in just, uh, just before the end of the early signing period window. You you posted today, Chris. You've got some people asking in the chat. Um, Jacob Cowing got to be a guy to look at for South Carolina. We we have our watch list. I don't really necessarily have a specific, um, I guess, specific rules for who gets to go on the watch list and who doesn't. Jacob Cowing, though, definitely one hundred percent should be on the watch list at this point. And as a guy that if South Carolina could pull him off is probably an instant impact guy.
0: He is, you know, originally from uh, Arizona, a speedy guy. Um, And by the way, a lot of people ask him, was I trying to send a message of some sort? No, no, there was no specific message for, for cowing. um, Other than South Carolina is in the mix there. So he, he is a guy to watch. Um, I literally just, Finally got a chance to watch him in a little bit more detail than I had and came away pretty impressed. I mean, this is a guy that has, you know, he's not going to be a, a six three six four receiver, but he can really run. He's a good route runner. He's got really good hands, can make everything from, you know, the short to intermediate catch in which he can make a move and, and make a guy miss and go take it the distance to, you know, some more of the acrobatic type of variety of catches. So a really impressive guy. Um, has, man, absolutely blown up in terms of offers, right? I mean, he's got programs all over the place, including a bunch of schools in the Southeast, interestingly, you know, that have come after him with offers. South is in that mix, of course. And look, you know, when I mentioned, Wes, that that schools are – not schools, but when players look – at transfer portal recruiting is a little bit different, so you're looking at opportunity. And we talked about this with Austin Stogner in the Garnet Trust exclusive interview, right? and he kind of broke that down of you're really looking at opportunity and you're looking at relationships he trusted Shane Beamer he had a prior relationship but he also looked at the wide open opportunity to come play for a guy like Jacob Cowing when you're looking at hey where can i go to really be showcased on a bigger stage where can i step in and play a lot south carolina is a a place that you know would really fit that bill so to be determined as to as to what direction that ultimately you know, terms, um, but certainly a guy to watch there and a guy with a lot of talent.
1: Yeah, no doubt, man. Other receivers to keep an eye on um, uh, Isaiah Nayer, who actually does not officially have an offer yet right now. He's someone that's under evaluation by South Carolina. Um, interesting addition to the portal today, Sam Pinkney, someone that uh, Chris and I are very familiar with from the recruiting process and Greenwood product who, um, sort of has completed his Georgia State career entering the portal, was a red shirt junior this past year, but actually does have two years of eligibility left due to COVID. Not uh no no Gamecock offer there yet either, um, as of this afternoon, but I would say probably falls into that under evaluation um umbrella as well. But I, I think clearly receiver is one of those spots where I think now now that they got their quarterback out of the portal, um, receiver is, to me, pretty clearly the, the biggest priority right there. Now, like you mentioned, if, if there's an edge rusher in there that could come in and help right away and wants to come to South Carolina, they're going to say absolutely take them. I, I think DB is a position, uh, you know, maybe if the right safety is out there, you're never going to turn down a great corner if they want to come. But I, I think safety, you know, is on the list. Offensive line, now, to me, it's going to be hard to find, like, true instant impact left tackle type guys in the portal. Here's the thing. If that guy is a junior and he's that good of a left tackle, he's going to just go get paid. He's not going to, you know, like, it. finding true SEC-ready left tackles in the transfer portal sounds like a great idea in theory. How many of them are there, Chris? Like th- there can't be many available that you're going to be able to get to South Carolina.
0: That's right. A, a lot of people have that same idea, right? <laughs> and, and like you said, there's not as many of them. I don't want to give the idea that like really good wide receivers are a dime a dozen. They're not. Or really good running back or DB, but there are more of them. It's a little bit different for the for the reasons that you laid out. And so I think. That's one reason we've seen more transfer portal wide receivers that have gone in, have been pursued by a bunch of schools, including South Carolina, whether that's, you know, having them under evaluation like the Wyoming kid or having actual offer out like Jacob Cowling. um, There is a difference. And so if there was some surefire left tackle that went in, he would have an offer from everybody, you know, and then it becomes a tough proposition because – at that point, the recruitment's even more national than it was in high school, you know? I mean, and so mm. it, it, it becomes tough, but everybody's got that same idea. South Carolina's got certainly their eyes open on the portal for offensive linemen. there've been a couple that have come up uh, that they've taken a look at that one of them was Tayshawn Manning, you know, who was the Auburn transfer. He actually ended up committing to Kentucky, uh, who's obviously done a really good job on the offensive line under their late coach, John Schlarman, and then Eric Wolford, who's over there now. So, Gamecock's still looking there. Uh, DB, another one. Wes, we we had some notes. I think that was last night on a, on a DB target that they're looking at from the portal potentially, who could visit in the near future. So, um, a, a lot of activity already, and I, I think it's going to just continue to go up from here.
1: Yeah, there's already guys out there. I would imagine have decided they're going to enter the portal and are just waiting till to you know their team to to finish up their season and and be done with bowl season as well. So I think that'll be something to keep an eye on moving forward for sure. Rob wants to know if Rattler and Cowing know each other, seeing as how they're both from Arizona. Uh, I think they do, but I don't, I don't know, Chris, if you know anything else about that. I think they know each other, but I don't believe it's like, um, it's not like they're long lost best friends or anything like (laughs) that. More just like, I believe they're probably aware of each other.
0: Yeah. I'm not aware of any close relationship. They weren't, you know, teammates, for example, at the high school level, um, are both from the state of Arizona. So, and what year did Cowan come out of high school? Wes, not quite sure. Spencer Rattler is in the 2019 class, so think some familiarity. But beyond that, I'm not sure that there's a huge tie. There could. This is a situation. I do think that when you have Spencer Rattler in the boat as your quarterback of for next season, that certainly helps in terms of potential attractiveness to you know, transfer wideouts.
1: Yeah, I think it's a game changer for them, man. I mean, you you look and if you're a portal receiver, you're kind of wanting a guarantee that you're going to go somewhere and, and be able to get the football. And I, I don't think you necessarily are even saying, well, which, you know, which which group has this four-star and, you know, that four-star that's waiting in the wings. And I I don't think if you're a portal receiver you care about, all that, all the potential on paper, you know, like I'm, I think you're looking saying, where can I go where there's a true star quarterback that can get me the football. And, you know, I think that's something where South Carolina just all of a sudden, all the national attention they got with that move. um, You know, you, it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's, it's the type of awareness within, you know, for your program that you can't buy. Like every, everyone wants that type of awareness, but you only get it when you actually can go out and get a guy like Rattler. and obviously South Carolina did that. So even if they only have him for for one year, for one season, um, it, it's completely worth it. And you just have to take advantage of that if you're South Carolina. The, the other guy that I don't I don't know who the happiest person in Columbia was uh, with, with that move, but I, I gotta imagine, uh, you know, Josh Van, you know, assuming he he follows through it as we've sort of expected and and ends up at South Carolina for another season should be a huge opportunity for him to, to put up a a bunch of yardage and, and, and have a big season.
0: Yeah. And, and I thought that was a really interesting move. You know, when I first heard, and this was, I mean, heck, what, what was it? West back in November, maybe when we had heard that Josh van or maybe early December was, con- was considering staying at South Carolina, I was honestly a little bit surprised, right? Because this is a guy that has a lot of talent, but at the beginning of his career, it, it did not go as anyone had envisioned. He has a breakout season this year, and we have frequently seen, not just at South Carolina, but at other places, guys use that opportunity to kind of cash in, so to speak. Um, but yet, we we heard it, and it was true. It, it was accurate, and everything points to Josh Van coming back, so... He is a guy, yeah, that could come back. And there are some guys where you feel like if he comes back, he may not raise his stock anymore. Josh, from my understanding, had the potential to go as high as the mid rounds, you know, depending on how he tested, how the process went, et cetera. If he had come out, he can probably raise that stock, you know, a little bit more by coming back next year. So no doubt he's been happy about that news. We picked up some other info, West, that internally there was a good bit of excitement on this Gamecock roster with some of the offensive players that um, have, have eligibility remaining or could return for next season of having Spencer Rattler on this team and what it can mean for the offense in general.
1: Yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what it means for for South Carolina um, recruiting as well. And so I don't think it, – it just hit me, Chris, when we were talking about um, quarterbacks and stuff. I don't think we've had a show since the Tanner Bailey news hit. So um, we we probably need to talk a bit about him and, and kind of what, what he brings to the table, how how that sort of played out. Funny thing is that that kind of happened so quickly. I, I remember somebody even asked on our on our show at one point, and I don't think we even addressed it. But there was a, a it might have even been T um, T Thompson, who is a a very uh, loyal commenter and uh, watcher of the show. Uh, but they said, Hey, this will South Carolina, maybe go after Tanner Bailey. And I, I read it and I was sort of thinking in my head, like, I, you know, I don't, a, I don't, I don't know if you can like convince another quarterback to to join this class and, you know, just, it just seemed far fetched to me, honestly. And then, you know, we, we find out shortly after the welcome home goes out, Hey, it's, you know, it's Tanner and, there was like a split second where Chris and I were like, wait, what are we, like, are we being messed with here? So <laughs> is, uh, you know, to, to me, this is the most, I, I'm not going to be like one of these people that says "Oh, was the best quarterback class in school history, you know, all that stuff. But this is the most intriguing quarterback class in school history. When you consider a former five-star former number one quarterback in his class comes in as a transfer. You have an extremely high upside guy in Braden Davis, who was already uh, coming to your school, already signed, locked in, Delaware player of the year, as far as Gatorade is concerned. And then you add in Tanner Bailey, who basically was, not even, not basically, who was your first 2022 quarterback target for South Carolina once the new staff took over um, after, of course, uh, you know, they, they had their guy. There's a decommitment. This is the first person for the new class as far as South Carolina is concerned with Beamer at the helm. You have the opportunity to add him late. Uh, for one, it kind of just shows you, again, recruiting. So sometimes you need a little bit of luck. The opportunity falls in your lap because of the change at Oregon. But then South Carolina t- takes advantage of it.
0: That's right. And Shane Beamer, you know, had some interesting comments publicly on, on this topic the other day with Tanner Bailey and kind of laying out how it happened. And, you know, Bailey, I think that th- this is the thing that helped South Carolina is he had a really good relationship with Joe Moorhead, who was the OC at Oregon, not going with Mario Cristobal to Miami. That that was my first inclination. When that staff change happened, you kind of thought, OK, well, will Tanner Bailey just go with Cristobal to Oregon? Well, he was more tied to Joe Moorhead, who was then the OC at Oregon under Cristobal. And that relationship was kind of advanced. Again, a new staff at South Carolina. There was a time period in which South Carolina looked to be in pretty good shape with Tanner Bailey, but the Oregon thing was just kind of hard to shake. So, again, it doesn't really matter, Wes, how you get them. It doesn't matter if, you know, like if South Carolina, if they pull a really good player out of Georgia – and, and some people would bellyache and say, well, Georgia didn't push for them. Yeah, they can't take everybody in the state of Georgia that's a great football player, right? They're going to reach national. They're going to reach the Florida, other states. You don't worry about how they got there. Really, you don't even need to worry about who you didn't sign. You need to worry about who did you sign and can they play? Can they help your program take the next level? So a bit of good fortune for South Carolina you're right in that it was very interesting that this happened, but I think you consider it almost, it's almost like a two quarterback class, you know, just because you you don't expect to have Spencer Rattler for, he's technically got three years of eligibility. There's no way he's staying at South Carolina for three years, right? That's just not going to happen. So you almost just chalk it up as a two quarterback class where both of these guys, Braden Davis and Tanner Bailey can come in, learn, develop and not be just shoved into action they can sit behind Spencer Rattler take things in and, and develop into a good player at a future date
1: well yeah the the, the fact that you're going to bring in a, a freshman and now two freshmen and just not have that possibility of them being forced into action kind of hanging over their heads um it's very very valuable in, in my opinion so yeah Rattler gets the headlines and, and rightfully so he changes that room but you, you do have some intriguing options there. I I think when you look at Tanner and Braden Davis, two very different skill sets. Man, like these guys are not similar. Like they they so you, you got Braden who is the sort of tall, like six five, maybe six six, huge upside, super athletic. Um, you know NFL bloodlines and and the guy that you know, I, I think can can do about anything as far as um, his athleticism goes. Then you got Tanner, on the other hand, who is, you know, going to be considered undersized as far as quarterbacks go. Um, doesn't necessarily have the massive arm. You know, I I, try, I tried to give a realistic evaluation of, of what I see from Tanner Bailey, what I've heard about Tanner Bailey. And people on our forum were, were giving me, not, not many of them, but a few of them were giving me, uh, you know, issues because i said Tanner Bailey does not have elite arm strength and they took that as like a shot at his game which really all i was trying to say is he's he's not like the guy that's going to uncork the ball 75 yards down the field like when i say somebody does not have elite arm strength that's because there are very few quarterbacks in any given class that just have absolutely elite arm strength now Tanner Bailey in my opinion is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in this class that I've seen on film has a has a great knack for um, getting the football in tight windows great knack for anticipating throws um, great touch on the football incredibly accurate underneath and to me is pretty advanced as a quarterback this this would be a kid that if not for South Carolina's quarterback situation, you probably would have been saying, especially if he were to have come in early, which now he's not, you probably would have been saying even if as a true freshman, he maybe could, could help you in a pinch. But luckily for Carolina and luckily for Tanner Bailey, this will be a situation where he can come in, learn, and will not be forced into action. But uh, what, what did you think of uh, just his game, man?
0: Yeah. Really, really interesting player. And and I'll echo you in that he's got some aspects of his game that seem really advanced, particularly just the way he delivers the football and he can make a lot of different throws and the accuracy really, really jumps out. And Wes, I'm just going to lift this content from a coach that I know. So, um, and I'm pulling this back from when South Carolina had first offered Tanner Bailey, Um, a high school coach. who's a really good coach that I know this is what he had to say about Tanner Bailey, unreal feet. He actually thought he had a really good arm, unreal feet plus mobility and really quick release. His footwork jumped off the screen at me. So that, that was interesting. This coach really, really went to the footwork with just how, you know, Tanner Bailey delivers the football, and that's what really stands out to me on film was the accuracy, the release, and just how he gets the football out.
1: Yeah, good stuff, man. Very good stuff. I, uh, I I'm, I'm interested to, you know, to see this kid and and see them all get here and 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 check it out. But any, anytime you can add a guy like that late to your class, you know, unexpectedly, um, and add some more competition, Beamer. Those of you who were on sort of a little pre-show segment, I, I started playing some of Beamer from earlier this week when he was talking about um, Tanner Bailey. He said, look, anytime you can add competition to your quarterback room, you, you almost like – you owe it to your team. You, you have to do it. And I, I think that was the case here. Too too good to turn down and the Gamecocks uh, get, get a very intriguing prospect. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, to sort of lock that position in for 2022 – and of course, they're they're already after a guy like Dylan Lonergan for 2023, who I, I think they're in pretty good shape with there as well. So the quarterback room, pretty pretty effectively being, uh, I would say, turned around there with what they're losing from that position and and what they're going to look like moving forward. So let, let's let's go back to the game itself here for a minute. And then we're going to get out of here, and then we'll have some final thoughts on the game on uh, on Wednesday leading into. Thursday, of course. Uh, But first, Chris, you want to tell tell everybody about uh, Dead Soxy?
0: Yeah, check out deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Check out their full catalog, whether it's their college-themed socks, if you're on the stream that you see up there in the top left corner, or anything else, whether it's athletics, no-shows, the uh, dress sock, the boardroom dress sock line. Dead Soxy's got something for everyone, men or women, all colors, all different uh, shapes and sizes deadsoxy.com and get 25% off your order, your entire order with the promo code cocky. Appreciate those guys being part of the show.
1: Definitely, man. Um, by the way, I just got it locked in. We will have a North Carolina guest tomorrow working on showtime, uh, May, may have to, I'll, I'll talk to Chris off air. We may have to tweak there a little bit based on uh, my schedule, Chris's schedule and our guest schedule, but we'll certainly let you guys know about that. And as always, all of our shows are archived, so you can always go watch them. YouTube.com slash Gamecock Central. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, by the way, our, our YouTube channel continues to grow. We've been very, very happy about the growth on YouTube. And then of course, on the podcast platforms, whatever podcast platform you like to use, whether it's the Apple, uh, you know, Android, uh, their, their kind of default podcast apps or all the other little third party apps. Um, Whatever app you use, we should be on there. So, pl- plenty of options to actually go uh, go do that. Um, what What else? Uh, what other thoughts do you have on the game, Chris? There are there any maybe, I would say, game topics or matchups or specifics that you want to hit before this show is over? And then, of course, we're gonna we're gonna really dive into it with our guest uh, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to doing that to learn a little bit more about North Carolina, particularly you know what's kind of happened on the defensive side of the ball west but i'll go back to what we opened the show with and that you know broken record alert i think it's going to come down to whether or not south carolina can score enough points to keep pace with the north carolina offense it's been pretty explosive so obviously the number one aspect of that is going to be slowing down sam howell now that's a tough proposition Just looking at what happened, I've watched some of North Carolina this year and some of their struggles earlier in the year, especially they had some trouble protecting him. He's a mobile guy. Um, He can make you run. Shane Beamer pointed out earlier this week after a practice at a media opportunity that he's not just, you know, it's not kind of smoke and mirrors. Like he can outrun some guys. He can bounce off some guys. he has got good pocket presence, but there've been times this season throughout the course of the year where they've struggled to protect him. So, South Carolina, we know, is going to be down a pass rush element. But can they affect Sam Howell? Can they force North Carolina into some mistakes? And more importantly, can they take advantage of those? So I'm really intrigued, West, by South Carolina's running game. Can they get anything going there? Obviously, no Z-White. It's just going to be up to the other guys on the roster. Juju McDowell, Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd. Those are the guys that it's going to be up to to carry the load. I think that's going to be a critical piece of this is whether or not South Carolina can run the football in this game.
1: So, North Carolina, Chris has a defense that just by the numbers, so that, you know, I I know this isn't the most in depth way to look at something, but just by your traditional numbers, UNC right now, 11th in the ACC. In scoring defense, allowing thirty one point six points per game Um, for one that that, you know that that at least should give you a little bit of hope if you're a Gamecock fan. Like we talk about matchups all the time. Um, This is not a Carolina offense that facing a unit like, for example, like the Texas A and M defense that South Carolina saw earlier this year, the Clemson defense they saw the final game of the season. This offense can just get overwhelmed against teams with that type of talent. That's not the case with North Carolina. Like, I I don't expect an offensive explosion. Um, I think Carolina, again, is an underdog for a reason. On paper, I, I give North Carolina the edge in this game all the way around. But, you know, I, I think you, you don't look across the other side. If we're talking about Carolina's ability to run the football, talking about Carolina's offense, can they move the football – you know, one thing you and I have talked about quite a bit this year as well is not – even if you don't score points, you can't just go three and out. And when when Carolina has has faced like Clemson in the final game of the year, when they faced, uh, you know, that, that awful Texas A&M game for the Carolina offense, that was the case. They were just putting the – they were putting their defense right back on the field. Um, this at least is a matchup where I think you look and you say Carolina can – Can have a little, can probably have enough success on offense to avoid that. (laughs) Um, Now, now is it still enough to go score? You know, enough points to win the game or not? Who knows? That's that's why you go play the games, obviously. But uh, you know, North Carolina defensively, let's see, they're allowing 170 rushing yards per game. That's actually ninth in the ACC, so a little bit better. um, You know, than their their scoring defense is right now. Uh, Pass defense is 8, 238 yards per game. Uh, You know, so this is not – the interesting thing is that this time last year, Chris, we were talking about Jay Bateman's defense because we thought South Carolina may be about to try to hire him. And now Jay Bateman considered one of – I feel like one of the best defensive ar- architects, um, most well-respected defensive names – People are ready to run him out of town.
0: Yeah. What a difference a year can make, you know? I mean, it, it's really amazing. And so, yeah, they, they've no doubt struggled, man. And you look at some of the point totals and some of the performances they've had in this year, been really, really underwhelming. Um, but their saving graces they can definitely, you know, score points. For South Carolina, they're going to have to find that, that balance between – Nobody's coming in expecting, okay, well, North Carolina's not very good. South Carolina should come out and score 40 points. Like, that would be unreasonable. Could it happen? Well, we actually could point to a game against Florida earlier this year. Different circumstances because Jason Brown started, Zaquandre White started, the team was at full strength, basically. You know, you wouldn't expect that, even against a poor defense Um, but what they are going to have to do is they're going to have to meet in the middle and they're going to have to find that balance between being able to have a solid defensive performance, which has also been an issue at times this year and being able to score points, being able to move the chains. You don't want to look back at this game and say, well, South Carolina's defense actually played pretty well, but North Carolina still scored 30 points because the defense was constantly on the field or putting, you know, the defense was constantly in terrible field position in which the other team only has to go twenty yards to put points on the board. That's what you want to avoid in this game.
1: No doubt, no, man. Uh, Mister Steele says, uh, "Save me the practice and the momentum BS. All that will be gone with a loss on Thursday." I'm not even sure why we accepted this ball berth. Um, because I, I can tell you exactly why you accepted the ball berth. What type of message would it send if if you took? Your first year, and I, I probably shouldn't even be addressing this, but um, you you can't turn down a bowl berth in your coach's first season at the helm when nobody really gave them much chance at all of even being bowl eligible. Like, you, you can't turn down an opportunity to go play an hour away from – you know, your school in a, a key recruiting area for you and tell your guys, hey, wh- you know, I don't, we're not going to play, we're not going to let y'all play one more game in a Gamecock uniform if you're a senior um, because we're scared to lose. Like, what?
0: <laughs> that was funny how you said that. That, like, the, the administration, like, people get so mad about one or two players opting out. You <laughs> want the entire team to opt out? Like, the. The university to opt out of the game? I, I don't – and I'm not – maybe that person's all for opt-outs. I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a take. I don't uh, – I can't see it. I, I'm, I'm with you on that, Wes. I think you you play the game. I know it's not a college – and it's not a New Year's Six game. I know you're not in the playoff. I don't know what people expected. You make the playoff or you don't expect – don't accept the bowl – Yeah, I mean, that would be a terrible message. Guys, I really think we're going to lose to UNC. We should probably sit this one out.
1: I don't think you recover from that, man.
0: You would. Guys, I know y'all want to play Clemson. Big rivalry game. We can't play Clemson. We might lose again. You know? I mean, nah, you can't do that, man. You got to try to send a message. Shane Beamer's been – it would would go completely against everything that Shane Beamer's been trying – to instill in this team, which is confidence and positivity and all those things. And, look, if this could end up being a troll, let's review that. If they lose, I would have the same – if they lose 59 to nothing on Thursday.
1: They lose 100 to nothing.
0: 100 – 1,000 to nothing. It would be the exact same point. You play the game. You you can't – I mean – I, I don't know. I mean, you could have gone into that Florida or Auburn game this year saying, "Well, well gosh, should they opt out of that game? They they weren't favored. They'll probably lose." I, I just don't think you can do that. You can't. You can't handle business that way.
1: there there, there were there were fans who opted out of that Florida game uh because they didn't think Carolina was going to win. So <laughs> you know,
0: I love it. We're going to start we're gonna start calling people out for opting out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
1: there there is no let's review this after the opinion does not change, you know at all. This this is not it, that's that's like when um, you know, if, I don't know, fans complain about some, you know, about a play call, and the example is well, the play call didn't work, so it wasn't a, a good play call. No, we're we're gonna judge it right now before the decision. You know, you the, the result doesn't matter. It's the right decision to go play. In this game, and I I don't really think there's anything that could change my mind on that. Uh, Speaking of uh, of uh, comments, let's go out to a more positive comment. John here says he loves the show, he listens to the podcast, and he missed the show. John, we appreciate that man. Hope you and your family had a a great Christmas. Happy holidays, all that good stuff, man. Thank you for weighing in on our Primal Gourmet chat line. We have not mentioned our friends at Primal Gourmet today, but uh, go check them out: primalgourmetsc.com. If you are out there and and sort of thinking, man, I've put on a little bit of extra poundage for the holidays, Whew, I'm in that boat. You, you maybe maybe you got a New Year's resolution. Maybe you want to just eat a little bit better in the new year. Check out these chef prepared meal plans from our friends at Primal Gourmet on sc.com. And they have uh, really unique meals as well, like gourmet um, chef-prepared meals. And, and uh, you know, you have different health options as well. But definitely a, a way to to eat, you know, save a little bit of money and uh, eat very, very well. Greg says Primal is fire. I agree 100%. All right, y'all. Um, I think that's going to do it for today. Chris, you got anything else, man?
0: I don't other than I wish I would have eaten Primal instead of what I ate during the holiday season because, man. Indeed, man.
1: I got to get back to the gym, and we got to figure this out, y'all. All Um, all right, so we'll be back tomorrow at some point. We'll let you know what time. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Appreciate y'all joining. We'll talk to you then. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect.